You're listening to Summit Podcasts, where you'll find sermon audio, weekly discussions of the message, the Back 40 Leadership Podcast, and much, much more. Subscribe today at summitpodcast.church and share this episode with your friends. Summit Church, every life made different. Today we are finishing up our series called Where Your Treasure Is. And the series is all about, it really is all about equipping us to think about generosity differently. It's easy for us to think about generosity at Christmas time because we're talking about like, okay, I got to get gifts and I'm buying and I'm taking care. We're going to host and I'm going to help and all these different things we do. But what if we began to think about generosity, not just annually, but daily? What if we thought about generosity and blessing others and helping others beyond once a year and really started applying that to our everyday life? How can I be a blessing to the people around me? How can I live generously with the people I come into contact with? And there's a passage in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. This is where we get the, uh, the title of our series But it says in verse 19, Jesus says this. He says, don't store up treasure here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break into steel. Store your treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. What he's saying is that my heart will follow my treasure. My heart and my affections will follow the things I invest in. I invest in financially, I invest my time in, I invest my energy in. Um, wherever I invest myself, my, my affections will follow that. So we have to understand that my heart follows my treasure. So two weeks ago, we talked about this idea, what does it mean to put God first in our lives? And if you look closely, you can still see we've got our, our sand and stone illustrations up here by the piano. Um, but, but we talked about what does it mean to put God first in our lives? And we start our life based on godly principles and putting the kingdom first above our own wants and desires. And then last weekend, we talked about this idea of being faithful in the little things. If I will be faithful in the little things, then I can be faithful in the big things. And if I'm, I, I prioritize what God wants to do in my life and I begin taking steps of faithfulness, and that's where we talked about uh, the, the, the giving ladder and being progressive in how we give, that I'm growing in generosity, not just to the church, but to the people around me as well. And so we talked about these things. And if you missed last weekend, by the way, last weekend was so much fun. Um, it really, it's a highlight weekend for us. We've done this a couple times now where in the middle of service, we had a delivery come in in both Indiana and Blairsville that the delivery driver shows up delivering cookies or whatever. And they're like, what am I doing? And we literally bring them on stage. I interview them for a few minutes. And then I ask them, what is the biggest tip you've ever gotten? And it was fun because last week we had one of the drivers was like 20 bucks. I was like, oh, we got you today. We are, we are going to beat $20, I can promise you, right? And then they walk out with a gigantic like mason jar full of cash. And we're just able to bless them. And it was fun because like in the nine o'clock service last week, the girl that we were able to bless, uh, her name was Unique. And, you, and that was appropriate. She was a unique young lady. And Unique just cried and cried and cried. And it was so much fun to be able to bless her. Um, because that's the way God wired us. See, we love to get stuff, but, but I want you to understand this. This is what we're talking about today. God blesses you to be a blessing. He blesses you not to make you comfortable, not to make you happy. He blesses you to bless somebody else. 
He blesses you so that you can see the need around you and bless the people you come into contact with. There's a family in our church that I love. Um, there's a lot of families that I love, for the record, not just the one. But there's, there's a family in our church that I love. They've been part of our church for years, and they have been a blessing to our church, and we had an opportunity recently to bless them, and I want you to take a look at their story. So, yeah, we've been at the summit for about 12 years. Um, our kids, we have four kids, and they were tiny whenever we started. So they were 10 to 3, and now they're 22 to 15. So it's been like our home for the last 12 years. Since uh, 2000, I've been self-employed. Prior to that, I, I worked construction with other contractors, but uh, so I've been in business for 22 years, residential. We've talked a lot at Summit recently about surf projects and the surf app and things like that. And from what I understand, um, that's kind of how uh, the project here at your house kind of came to life. So why don't you guys describe um, what was going on, kind of the need, and then you know how that came to be. So we bought our house 12 years ago and Brian has dreaded the roof project. Um, we knew it needed a roof then, and anytime I brought it up, he would say, I'm not doing it. You don't understand. It's like opening a can of worms. We should just sell the house now, as is. It wasn't just a roofing project, it was rebuilding the structure. Like, it's an old metal roof over top of wood rafters and nothing underneath it. So I knew once we ripped the metal off, the overhangs would fall off, and it was just going to be a nightmare. So a friend from church, Albert, um, felt my burden and said, hey, I got a couple guys together. We're going to come and help you Saturday. We'll do your roof. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that's such a blessing. You, I, I didn't know what to say. But, yeah. but then uh, the Saturday when all these trucks started rolling in, I bet you there was 20 people that pulled into my house. That's cool. I was just so overwhelmed. I just began to weep and like, like, yeah. I could not believe it. Yeah. That's exciting for me to hear, personally, just because I know how much you guys have contributed to our church over the years and just been a part. Um, so when you're seeing all these guys, and did you know all of them, or were there no. some of them that are strangers? Or, yeah. So you probably got to know some people that day, even. Yeah, that, that was the blessing part of it. We, I, I've known the, seen the faces at church, but never knew their names. I didn't know who they were or what they did. And so it turned out to be a day of fellowship and bonding. And yes. Uh, we got to share our testimonies and struggles, and um, it was just turned out to be a wonderful day. And at the end of the day, when everybody was leaving, they thanked me. I was like, what? <laughs> no, it's, it's, you got it backwards. The women of their small group actually told me not to worry about doing anything that day because I had planned on doing a meal. And um, so they just showed up with all of this food, and I was what do I do? It was so overwhelming. The entire, the entire day was just so overwhelming. The weather was perfect yeah. and it had been raining and we couldn't have asked for a better day. I know for me, um, we've always been on the serving end just because that's, we, 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 our first 10 years were in a home mission church and that's just what you did. Everybody mm -hmm. served. Everybody served, yeah. It wasn't just a small amount. And so coming here and having people want to help with something that seemed so difficult and impossible to us uh, blew us away and it really humbled us. Uh, I look out the window when I get, get up in the morning and I'm just like, I cannot believe this is done and it slipped into a huge burden off my shoulders. 
I knew I, I probably couldn't have done it myself like I used to. So to have all that help is just, uh, words cannot express. That's right. So I know for, for years you guys served at the church in different capacities. Mm -hmm. If you don't mind, tell us a little bit about how you've served and things you've been a part of at Summit over the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I served in the toddler room and um, I also was involved in the women's ministry. So I was in charge of the hospitality with that and I am currently serving on the prayer team. And Brian, I, people may not recognize you, but you're on the platform quite a bit because of the worship team. How long have you been helping with worship here at Summit? Since day one. Um, that's the gift God gave me and I'm gonna use it to try to bless others. Yeah, I know when I first came to Summit, you literally were on the worship team every weekend. Mm -hmm. Every weekend. Todd, Todd wouldn't let me off. <laughs> he wouldn't let you get away. <laughs> um, but even before we had Todd, you were in the rotation for actually leading worship. Right. And I appreciate how gifted you are at what you do. And I appreciate you using those gifts um, for, for God's kingdom. It really does mean a lot. Um, with all that said... I'm crying. You're not going to cry because you're a robot, but, um, <laughs> but I'm grateful for you guys. I'm grateful for your family. And I know you guys have had lots of ups and downs, just like every family does, um, you know, with work stuff and kids and family and all kinds of stuff. Um, and, and I appreciate how you guys have served our congregation and just been faithful. Um, and, um, uh, and, this is not a big gift, but we want to do something for you guys. So we've got a check to help offset some of the cost of the of the materials you had to buy for the roof. And it's not going to cover all of it, but it's a check for $2,500. And we just want to say we love you. <laughs> You're trying to get me to cry, aren't you? Well. You're close. <laughs> but... Um, you guys have spent a lot of time pouring out and blessing others and helping and serving even when it was hard and inconvenient and um, this is just a small way for us to say thank you and just simply to let you know we love you and we're grateful and we see the times you've poured out and to see the times you've been blessing to others and uh, we're so glad that we were able to bless you guys and help with the roof and that you know some people stepped up and said we want to be a part and so we just want to be part of that as well and say we love you. We appreciate all you guys have done. Wow. Wow. We love you too in the church. You just don't know what to say. We are so blessed. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Well, we love you guys very much. And uh, we're excited for your house. We're excited for your family. That was fun. It was fun for us to do that. And um, it didn't look like fun because I was crying, but I promise it was fun. Uh, and it was fun to bless them. And, and it was easy too because they've been such a blessing to our church through the years. They've blessed us in ways that people don't see. They have used their time and talents to bless other people the way that they have been blessed as well. So I am grateful for for people like that in our congregation that will say, hey, I'm blessed to be a blessing. God has given me um, what I need, and so I'm gonna use what I have to be a blessing to other people. And this idea comes from Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, uh, God is speaking to Abraham, and he's trying to, his name's not even Abraham yet. He hasn't changed his name. It's Abram. And he, he is 
calling him to leave what he knows and what he's comfortable with. And this is what God says. He says to Abraham, or Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. A couple big things here. He says, I will bless you and make you famous. And he's not saying that I'm gonna do this just because you deserve it, you're such a good guy. But he's, he's implying something here. And the implication is found in the second half of the sentence. And it says, and you will be a blessing to others. He says, I'm gonna bless you and make you famous and you're gonna use that for my glory. You're gonna use that to be a blessing to others. The, the reason I am blessing you is to bless other people. And in fact, he says, the entire earth, every family of the earth will be blessed because of you is what he says. What an incredible promise. But this promise is contingent on obedience. I don't know if you notice that. Every promise God gives us is contingent on our obedience. And this is what he said. He said, leave your nation, native country. He says, leave what you know. Leave what you're co comfortable with. Leave that stuff behind and follow me. And if you do that, then I will bless you and I will make you famous. It's contingent on his obedience. See, if, if Abraham wasn't obedient and left what he was comfortable with and left the family he knew and leave, left those stuff behind, we would have never known who Abraham was because he would have never experienced the blessing that he experienced. And because he didn't experience that blessing, he could not have blessed us and the nations of the earth and every family of the earth. Literally, we are blessed because Abraham was obedient. And this is crazy, but... I tell people all the time, godly principles, biblical principles, like in leadership, uh, biblical principles when it comes to finances, they work even for non-believers. Did you know that? Even if you apply these biblical principles, they are true even for non-believers. So when non-believers uh, live generously, they're blessed. It's amazing. There's a, there's a, a, a guy who was religious but... He was never really a faithful Christian, um, from what I can tell, that you might be familiar with, especially here in Western Pennsylvania. His name was Andrew Carnegie. And Andrew Carnegie um, was um, a steel magnate. I mean, he built an empire. He did some incredible things. Uh, he was also kind of known as a villain. There was a lot of people who were not a big fan of Andrew Carnegie uh, because of his labor practices and some of the things he did. Um, and uh, whether he was responsible directly or indirectly for the initial Johnstown flood, uh, there were a lot of people who were not big fans. But this is what I know about Andrew Carnegie. He was wildly generous with his finances. At his peak, Andrew Carnegie was worth about uh, $380 million, which in that day and age would have made him one of the richest men who ever lived. By today's standards, that would be about $350 billion he was worth. So he's literally one of the richest men who ever lived. And in the course of his life, he did all kinds of things, especially as he got older. He began to have this realization that, that his life could not just be about what he accumulated and what he consumed, that his life was kind of meaningless in that unless he activated what he had, unless he gave away what he had. He wanted to bless other people. He wanted to take care of other people. And so he just began to live his life to give himself away. Um, 
They started museums, they started hospitals, started colleges, schools, all kinds of nonprofits all over the world were begun and most notably were the public libraries that they started. Uh, over 2,000 public libraries worldwide uh, were started by Andrew Carnegie and his foundation. And some of them are the most beautiful public libraries you will find anywhere. They're beautiful, they're gorgeous. Uh, and many of them carry his name to this day. You might not know this, did you know that Andrew Carnegie was an organ donor? Did you know that? Now, we didn't find his driver's license and it hasn't checked on the back. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. But even though he was not a religious man, he had a passion for music and he understood music's value in a church. And Andrew Carnegie donated about 7,700 organs to churches all over the world because he wanted to influence and help their music and help their worship, even though he was not a devout Christian. So you might not know this, Andrew Carnegie helped shape, shape worship in churches all over the world because he was generous. In, in the course of his life, uh, of the $380 million he was worth, he donated about $350 million. Now, if you're not good at math, that's $30 million he had left. How many of you would like to try to live your life on 30 million? You think you, 30 million would cover you? You think you could manage on that? Like, I could probably figure out a way. I might have to cut back to part-time, but it would, I would, you know. You know, he still had $30 million, Mel. Well, not really, uh, because of the remaining 30, uh, they started a, a trust with $30 million. And if you look at the, the ancestors of Andrew Carnegie, uh, there are four and five generations down the line now from, from him. And the wealth that they have was not generated by Andrew Carnegie. It was, for the most part, it was self-determined. They started their own businesses. They did their own things. It was not because it was generationally passed down. It was because they earned it. They didn't have anything based on what Andrew Carnegie earned. Uh, so, so what we see is this, Andrew Carnegie understood it's important for me to give away what I have. It's important for me to bless others. There's more to life than just consuming and being comfortable, and that is helping and blessing the people around me. This is a man who was not even really a devout follower of Jesus, and he understood this principle. And this is a biblical principle for us, that we are blessed to be a blessing. And if somebody like Andrew Carnegie can understand that, then how much more should you and I, as followers of Jesus, get this principle into our hearts, that we are blessed to be a blessing? Now, I already know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, Mel, I am not Andrew Carnegie. I don't have $380 million. I don't have $30 million. I don't have $30, Mel, if you looked at my banking account, right? I am broke. So I get a pass because I can't be generous with people because I don't have any money. I live paycheck to paycheck. I get that. I understand that. But I want you to understand this. If you live in the United States, the, the person who is in the middle of the road in the United States is still fabulously wealthy compared to to about 99% of planet Earth. If you have two cars that you own and you can drive, no matter how junky those cars are, no matter how much you have to put duct tape and bailing wire on those cars to make them work, you're in the top 1% of wealthiest people in the world because you own two vehicles. And I've seen some of your yards. Some of you have like five vehicles in your yard, right? They're on blocks and they're up and around. You are wealthy compared to the vast majority of people 
on planet Earth. So what we have to do is stop comparing ourselves to the people around us and go, well, I'm not wealthy because my house isn't as big as their house. Well, I'm not wealthy because my car's not as nice as that car. And start understanding in the context of humanity, most of us are very wealthy. Most of us have been very, very, very blessed. And so the question is, then what do we do with that blessing? In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is, is writing to the Corinthian church, but he's talking about the Macedonian church. So he's talking to the Corinthian church about the Macedonians. Listen to what he says. He says, now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. And he's talking about the church at Philippi, the church in Berea, and the church at Thessaloniki. Now, here's the thing. Some of our people went to Thessaloniki a few weeks ago. And while they were there, they had a day and they were able to go um, from there over to the ruins of Philippi. So where Paul had started a church, a Philippian church, a Thessalonian church. And so they were able to see some of the ruins. It was really cool, some of the pictures. Uh, At some point, some of our team will probably preach and you'll be able to hear about some of that, I'm sure. But they were able to actually walk where Paul is talking about these churches. He goes on to say in verse two, in the midst of a very severe trial, so the Macedonian churches were being persecuted for their faith. In the midst of a severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. What? This doesn't even make sense, does it? The church is being persecuted for their faith. And in the midst of that, they hear about needs of other churches. And they're like, hey, we love Jesus and we are stone broke. In fact, when it says extreme poverty, um, what it really means is rock bottom poverty. Like, here's the thing, no matter who you are here in Indiana or in Blairsville or watching online, you can probably look at somebody else and find somebody who's wealthier than you are. But you can probably also find somebody somebody who's worse off than you are too, right? So you might go, well, I'm poor, but I'm not as poor as they are. There's always somebody more poor for the most part. But the Macedonian churches had nobody that was more poor than them. They were rock bottom poor. Extreme poverty is what it says. And it says in the midst of their persecution, their joy mingled together with their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. How does that work? Because most of us, if we were rock bottom poor, we would not be filled with great joy, right? They were filled with great joy in spite of their circumstances, and it produced generosity. How does this happen? Well, they understood something very fundamental to our faith, that Jesus is the source of everything we have and everything we are. That, That no matter what is going on in my world, if I am good with Jesus and Jesus is good with me, everything else is gonna be okay. No matter what my circumstances are, no matter what my bank account says, I can trust Jesus. And this is what produces joy. When some people would go, why are you so joyful? You lost your job and you don't have any money. They could go, man, my job is not my source. Jesus is my source. God is my source. I'm gonna be just fine. I don't know what it's gonna gonna look like. I don't know how things are gonna work out, but I know that I can trust God. And this is the mindset that the Macedonian churches had. And so in spite of their poverty, they still were generous. In fact, it says this in verse three. He says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. They said, here's what we can afford. 
but you know what? We're going to give more than what we can afford. Even though they were rock bottom poor. He goes on to say, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service of the Lord's, to the Lord's people. They, they begged for the chance to give financially to support the kingdom and support the church. It said in verse five, they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. They had nothing, but they still were anxious for an opportunity to be generous. Why? Because they'd had an interaction with Jesus that changed them. It changed them. See, when we have an authentic interaction with Jesus, it's gonna change us. It's gonna transform us. It should make us generous. It says they exceeded our expectations. And here's the thing, radical generosity will exceed what is expected. Um, that was one of the fun things last weekend about tipping the delivery drivers that came in, right? Because they were not expecting this. They were not expecting, you know, a, a thousand or two thousand dollars of cash that they're walking out with. They weren't expecting that. That's fun, right? Surprise, we get to bless you. That's pretty cool. See, when we are radically generous, it is going to exceed what is expected of us. Last weekend, we talked about Zacchaeus, and he was a tax collector, and he would steal from his, uh, from his um, brothers that were Jews. He literally would tax them more than what they deserved to be taxed, and he would line his own pockets. He, would, he built his own wealth based on stealing from people, ripping people off. And he has this interaction with Jesus and he's so fundamentally changed by this interaction that he knows what the law says and the law says you pay back what you owe plus 20%. But he said, I'm gonna pay back four times what I stole. Now I'm sure this was unexpected. It was more than what the law demanded. Why? Because he had an interaction with Jesus and he said, I don't care what the minimum is. I don't care what's expected. I know what God has done for me and I wanna do as much as I can. I wanna be generous. And this is what an interaction with Jesus will do in our hearts. It will transform us. It'll be a catalyst for us to say, I wanna be generous. I wanna do more than what's expected. And remember, as we've been talking over the last few weeks, this is not just about our money. This is about our heart. This is about our whole life. See, when you're generous with forgiveness, it's gonna exceed what is expected. When somebody's hurt you, and you are quick to extend forgiveness to them, they're gonna be surprised because it's greater than what was expected. When you are quick to extend love to somebody who has not been very loving to you, it's gonna be beyond what they expected. When you are quick to extend grace, when you're quick to extend mercy, it's gonna be more than what's expected. It's generous. It's radically generous. And this is a reflection of our heart. And how do we do that? How do we forgive somebody who maybe in our book is unforgivable? We can't do it in ourselves. We have to rely on Jesus. When we have this interaction with Jesus and we see what we've been forgiven of, it makes it easier for us to forgive others and be generous. When we have an interaction with Jesus and we see what Jesus has given us, and let's be honest, Jesus has given us so much. No matter who you are, and how poor you think you might be if you look at your life and examine it and audit it and ask, okay, what has Jesus done for me? I bet you would be shocked 
at all he has done for you because he has done so much. And when we look at how generous he's been to us, it's hard for us not to live generously with others. There's a story in Mark chapter 12. You can also find it in Luke chapter 21. It's a story of the widow's might is what it's called. And this is a story about Jesus' interaction in the temple one day. And it starts in verse 41 of Luke, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 12. And it says this, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called the disciples to him and says, I tell you the truth, the poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, has given everything she has to live on. So the word here, uh, for the two small coins, it's lepta. And the lepta um, were the smallest coins in circulation in Judea at that time. So just for the sake of simplicity, think about it this way. The smallest coin in U.S. circulation is the penny. Um, so imagine it this way. This lady has two pennies left to her name. This is all she's got. And she goes to church, and at the end of church, she puts her two pennies in the offering box. And Jesus is so, he so marvels at this woman's generosity. He literally gathers his disciples around. He stops and says, guys, you've got to see this. This is incredible. He said, this woman, this, this is what she gave. She gave more than all these other people. And then he has to explain it to them because these guys are like, Jesus, you're bad at math, right? Like, I don't know, do you, did you forget to carry the one or what happened, Jesus? And he says, let, let me help you understand, guys. She gave more because she gave the very last. She gave all she had, even though it was not nearly as much as what others gave, her sacrifice was greater than their sacrifice because they gave out of their surplus. They gave out of their extra. She had no extra. She gave what she had left. And so when she was giving, she was saying, God, I am giving you all and I am trusting you. God, I trust you. So I'm, I'm gonna put my last two cents in this box. He said, the others gave and it didn't cost them anything. It didn't cost them what it cost her, because at the end of the day, it's not about the amount we give, but it's about what we are willing to give up. It's about our sacrifice. What am I willing to sacrifice for God to be glorified, for his kingdom to advance, for people to hear about him and know him, for my heart to be in alignment with God so that I can fully trust him for who he is. So over the last few weeks, we've had illustrations, and today is no different. I've got an illustration for you. I was going to ask if you minded, but I really don't care if you mind. <laughs> you might object to it violently, and that's why we got security, so I'm okay with that. So a couple of mason jars. And I've got a towel, because let's be honest, there's an excellent chance I will make a mess. And here we go. We've got <clears throat> three jars and a container here. And this container that you see, this represents, uh, it represents God. This jar represents us. This represents, we'll call this um, God's kingdom. 
We'll call this eternal things. Um, these are things like the church, uh, like um, missionaries, missions, ministries around the world, ministries locally, things that are, are working for God's kingdom. These are good things, okay? These are just good things. This is you being a good tipper. This is you looking out for your neighbor who maybe is having financial trouble. This is you hearing about um, a need in our community and you jumping on the GoFundMe and giving them some money for that. These are good things. They're not eternal things, but they're good things, okay? And, and this is us. Oh, this is us. This makes me nervous because this is pretty full. I don't know if you can see. The water is up pretty high and usually by now I would have spilled it, but I haven't spilled anything yet. So this is good. So this is us. And our lives are full of stuff, right? Our lives are full of wants and desires and wishes and dreams and things we accumulate, um, our house and our car and our families. Our life is full. Every one of us have full lives. And then what happens is you come to a service like this and you hear a message like this and you hear a preacher say something like, God wants your whole life. He doesn't want your finances. He wants your whole life. We go, oh well, yeah, I get that but I wanna, I wanna show you. This is what he wants. He wants us to say, God, I trust you with everything. Uh, I give you all that I am, all that I have. I give you my time, I give you my talent, I give you my abilities, all my possessions, everything I have in my hand is yours. And I trust you. And this is hard because then when we get to this point, we go, whoo, this is what I was afraid of, right? What's left? I, I have nothing. I, I'm empty. So God, what are you gonna do about that? And there's this principle that says God blesses us to be a blessing. So we go, God, I expect you to, to do something with this, but, but here's the trick. I want you to understand this. What we started with, God put there in the first place. See, the talent you have that you think you earned and you, I developed this over the years, did you know God gave that to you in the first place? He gave it to you. The strength you have, the kids you have, the job you have, the house you have. The breath you breathed when you woke up this morning and your eyes opened, you took a deep breath, that, that stinky, nasty breath that you breathed in. I know, it. come on now. God gave that to you. Some of you, all you're gonna remember from this message is that God gave you morning breath, Right? That breath you have in your lungs is from God. He literally gave us everything. Everything we fill our lives with, God made possible. So when we give back to God, we're not really sacrificing anything because it's all God's in the first place. What we're really doing is just giving God access to all the stuff he's already given us. So we say, okay, God, I know you blessed to be a blessing. So, so God, um, I, I'm gonna be a blessing. I've given you my life, so God, pour back into my life. I, I, God, you blessed to be a blessing. And you go, okay, well, God has blessed me, so what am I supposed to do with this now? Well, we bless the kingdom. We bless eternal things that God has put in our lives. We go, okay, God, I'm gonna bless, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my time and my talent and my ability to kingdom purposes. I'm gonna give to things that are eternal. And you know what? When there's need around me, I'm gonna to give to that too. I wanna be a good tipper. I wanna bless people. I wanna bless the people I come into contact with. So yeah, so I'm gonna give in those ways. And we go, well, wait a second. God, I'm empty again. What am I supposed to do? We go, okay. God blesses to be a blessing, right? 
God blesses us so we can pour into others. So when we do pour into others, God is not going to leave us stranded. So God says, here, let me, let me pour some more in there. I got you. I got you. Okay, now what do I do with this? God says, well, I bless you to be a blessing. So we go, okay, well, I'm going to pour back in. I'm going to bless others. I'm going to take care of others. I'm going to look out for others. I'm going to resource the kingdom. I'm going to resource the people around me. And here's the thing. Uh, Proverbs chapter 11 says this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who are, or help others are helped. So when we pour into others, God pours into us. God says, hey, I'm looking out for you. You don't build your kingdom, you build my kingdom. And as, as I, you build my kingdom, I'm gonna build your kingdom. You keep pouring out what I pour into you, and we're gonna see the kingdom of God expand. We're gonna see people blessed. We're gonna see lives improved because we trust God, we put him first. There's a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter nine, and Paul says this to the Corinthian church. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And this principle is true. We reap what we sow. We hear it in, in the world all the time, but this is true. We reap what we sow. Here's the problem with this. This is used as a, as a financial principle at times, but this principle is true in almost every area, every area of our lives. Some of you, you, you say, man, I've got so much drama. I'm dreading Christmas because family's coming and there's so much drama in my family. Well, here's the thing. If you have been reaping drama in your life, I would ask you, where, where are you sowing drama? Because if that's the harvest you're getting, it probably means that's a seed you're planting somewhere. I, I, oh, all this dysfunction all around me all the time. Well, it sounds like your harvest is dysfunction. So what are you planting to get dysfunction? Some of you want me to go to talk back to money, don't you? You're like, talk about money some more. We like that better, getting in my business. So this principle is true. What we reap, we sow. How we reap, we sow. When we... So a big seed, we're gonna get a big harvest. So if I sow a lot of drama, I'm getting a lot of drama back. But think about it this way. If I want a big harvest of joy, do you know what I need to do? I better plant a bunch of joy. I better be putting those seeds everywhere I come into contact. I'm planting joy. I'm putting that seed out there. If, if, I, wanna, if I wanna reap mercy from people, do you know what I better be sowing? Mercy. I better be putting it in the ground everywhere. Every person I come into contact with, I am quick to forgive them. Because do you know what the harvest is gonna be on that? Quick forgiveness. I do something stupid, they're gonna forgive me quickly. Why? Because I've forgiven quickly. I've been planting the seeds and I'm getting the harvest. And this is what this principle is in 2 Corinthians. And then this is what Paul goes on to say. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and he's quoting Proverbs chapter 22. And he says, and God will generously provide all you need, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. God's gonna give you everything you need. He's gonna give you what you need in your life, and he's gonna give you enough to share with other people. You will melt. This doesn't make sense because I'm still almost empty here. But God's promises are true. 
God's going to keep pouring into you. You keep pouring out. You keep being a blessing to others. God's going to keep pouring into your life. This principle is true. He's going to give you what you need and enough to share with others. There's a passage in Luke chapter 6. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus is preaching. And he says this. He says, don't judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it'll come back against you. Forgive others and you'll be forgiven. It's the same principle that we reap what we sow. That if I want to be forgiven quickly, I need to forgive quickly. See, well, what happens so many times is we want a different harvest than what we plant. We plant unforgiveness, but we want to get a harvest of forgiveness. And it's like, that's not how this works. You've got to plant forgiveness to get forgiveness back. And he goes on to say this. Jesus says this, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. See, many times we hear this principle and it's taught in the context of money and we hear some TV evangelist will say something like, you send me a hundred and you're gonna get a thousand in return somewhere, God's gonna bless you. Maybe, maybe that might happen. But that is not a biblical interpretation of that scripture. That is not what this is talking about. What it's clearly talking about is forgiveness in interpersonal relationships. But this principle is true. If I will be generous with the people around me, I will reap a harvest of generosity. That does not mean I'm gonna get a bunch of money. That does not mean God is gonna make sure you're driving a Bentley. That does not mean that you're gonna get that dream house that you've been wanting your whole life. What it means is we get what we sow. We reap the harvest that we've put in the ground. And if we trust God, God is faithful. And God will say, hey, I'm going to give you everything you need, not everything you want, but everything you need. And I'm going to give you enough to bless others, to share with others, to invest in them, to be generous, to help them see how good God really is. See, God keeps pouring out. And it might not all be at once. Man, those slow blessings over time when we're faithful and God is faithful and God shows up, it's worth it. But here's the problem. Many of us never get out of that first cup. Many of us never give God our whole lives because we go, what if? What if God doesn't fill us up? What if God doesn't take care of me? What if I am generous? What if I think I'm hearing from God and I'm generous and it wasn't God and now I'm poor? I've never heard of somebody who went in to file for bankruptcy who the reason for their bankruptcy was they were too generous. Like, well, I gave too much to my church. That was it, right? I gave too much to, to nonprofits. I was too charitable. I've never heard anybody who donated their way to the poorhouse, but I've heard of people who have spent their ways to the poorhouse. They've spent too much, they've indulged in themselves, they've looked out for their, their themselves, they've built their own kingdom instead of God's kingdom, and what happens? Well, what happens is we end up losing. But when we put God first, when we say, God, I'm putting your kingdom above my kingdom, God, I'm gonna trust you, this is what God does. God keeps filling up. Why? It's for his glory. See, God wants us to have enough for ourselves. He wants us to live our lives and pay our bills and take care of our responsibilities, but he also wants you to be a blessing to others. And he fills you up so that you can be a blessing. God blesses to be a blessing. He wants you 
to look out for the needs of the people around you. And you're like, well, Mel, that still is not as much as we started with. You're right. That's not always how it works, but God always gives us what we need. God always gives us more than we need so that we can continue to bless the people we come into contact with. There are two major bodies of water in the the nation of Israel. One is the Sea of Galilee, and you know that one well. If you've been around church and you've heard Bible stories, a lot of things happen around the Sea of Galilee. Um, But modern-day Sea of Galilee, it's interesting because the Sea of Galilee is a place that's full of life. Um, If you look at its banks and the shores, there's green grass, there's life. Uh, There's animals that inhabit the area right around the the Sea of Galilee. There are trees and there are birds that will fly and make their nests in those trees locally. There are are people who will build their homes on its shores and on the banks because it is full of life. There are fishermen who fish the Sea of Galilee because the Sea of Galilee has um, very diverse diverse ecosystem of fish and different things. It just provides life to that area. And the interesting thing about it is it's fed by the Jordan River. So the Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee and then it flows out of the Sea of Galilee and it feeds another sea down the stream. And downstream, this other sea looks dramatically different than the Sea of Galilee. See, this this sea has no life, has no vibrancy, it has no birds, it has no fish, it has no economy, it doesn't have people building their homes on its shores, it has no trees because it's called the Dead Sea. And the difference between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea is this. The Jordan River flows into both of them, but it only flows out of one of them. It flows into the Sea of Galilee, but it flows out of the Sea of Galilee, and it feeds the Dead Sea. See, every drop of water that flows into the Sea of Galilee from the Jordan River flows out of the Sea of Galilee into the Dead Sea. But the Dead Sea keeps everything for itself. The Dead Sea doesn't share its waters with anyone else, and as a result, it dies. It produces death. It produces nothing, but it takes. See, the Sea of Galilee receives and distributes. The Sea of Galilee is blessed to be a blessing. The Dead Sea consumes everything it gets. It takes everything it gets, and it doesn't share it with anyone. We've got a decision to make today. We can choose to say, God, you bless me to be a blessing. So God, I'm gonna be like the Sea of Galilee. Everything that flows in, God, I'm gonna trust you. And it's not mine, it's yours. God, every breath I have is yours. Every, every dollar I have is yours. My house is not mine, it's yours. Um, my car is not mine, my family's not mine. Literally, God, everything I am is yours. So God, I am available for you. Or we can say, God, I'm gonna take everything you give me and I'm gonna use it for myself to make myself happy, to make myself comfortable. See, some of you last week, you saw how much fun it was when you were dropping that money in this jar up here on the platform. You you got a glimpse of how much fun it is for the, the blessing to flow out of us. And this is what I want you to live your everyday life like. I want you to live every single day of your life with blessing flowing out of you to somebody else. I want blessing flowing out of you to your church, to the ministries in our community, in our world, to the people around you, to your waiter and waitress. I want blessing flowing out of you everywhere. I want you to be generous because that's where life happens. So you've got a choice to make today. What are you gonna do with a blessing that's resident in your life? 
I'm gonna turn it over to Pastor Colin. He's gonna close out your time there in Blairsville and he'll give you a chance to respond. But guys, I love you more than you know and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have an incredible day. So those of you here in the room, you know, the blessing in our lives really begins with the blessing that comes from knowing Jesus, putting him first in our lives. And that's where we empty ourselves. That's where we say, God, I'm yours, everything I am, everything I have. I acknowledge it came from you. And that's hard to do, it's scary. Because all we can think about is what we're giving up. What we don't see is what we get in return. See, the person who never empties himself and never gives themselves to God, never knows how good it is to be a blessing to others, really because the blessing stops with them. What they have, that's it. But when we say, God, everything I have is yours, my life is yours, I'm committing my life to you, I'm surrendering my life to you, Jesus. What we're really saying is, God, I'm all in. And that's my invitation for you today. See, God has given us so much. Of all the things I mentioned that God has given us, the one thing I haven't mentioned yet in the service is that he he gave us his son. He sent Jesus. The greatest gift we could ever receive is being able to be in relationship with God, eternal life through Christ Jesus. And, and emptying ourselves and surrendering ourselves to Christ is the beginning of living a life for him and living a life that really is generous where blessing flows in and blessing flows out. And so I wanna give you that chance today surrender your life to Christ if you've never done that before. Maybe you're here today and you recognize you, you had a moment years ago, but you haven't really lived your life for Christ and you wanna rededicate your life to him today. I wanna give you that chance. So if you would bow your head and close your eyes all over this place. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We love you and we're grateful for the chance we have to walk with you and to know you. God, thank you that you bless us. And thank you that God, you don't need us to be a blessing to this world, but God, you invite us to be a part of it. And so God, I pray none of us in this place would squander the opportunity to be used by you to bless the people that we come into contact with, to bless our, our workplaces, our schools, our neighborhoods, to be a blessing to our community that we live in. God, I just pray all of us would say yes to that. Lord, I pray for those specifically who are here today that don't know you, that aren't in a relationship with you, that, that maybe they're a little like the Dead Sea. They receive and receive and receive but they're living them life for their lives for themselves. So ultimately, they don't know what real life is about. I pray today, God, you'd open our eyes, you'd help us see how good it is to live a life for you, how good it is to bless others. And so God, I pray you'd help us see that. Lord, I pray that we would be able to receive the gift of salvation day in Christ Jesus. So God, I pray for each person that's here, open up our hearts, help us to surrender fully to you. Pray you be glorified through that. And with nobody looking around, your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you'd say to me today, Mel, I, I know I'm not serving God. I know I'm not in relationship with God. You know, those two C's you described, I'm more like the Dead Sea because I receive and I receive, but I, I recognize I'm selfish. I recognize I need a savior. I, I need what Christ has done for me and I, I need to be forgiven. I don't wanna live this way anymore. I wanna live my life for God. I wanna surrender to him. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just wanna pray for you. And if, if you wanna be included in that prayer, would you be bold enough to slip your hand up real high where I can see it and say, Mel, include me in that prayer. I wanna, I wanna surrender my life to Christ today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you on my left, I see you. 
Who else would say that's me? Pray for me, Mel. Include me in that prayer today. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you shall be saved. So we're going to pray a prayer together. We're going to say it out loud, but we're going to pray it from our hearts. So whether you raised your hand or not, I want every person in this place to pray this prayer with me out loud. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus, your only son, to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From this day forward, my life is surrendered to you. Use me for your glory. Bless me to be a blessing. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause. <laughs> Scripture tells us if you prayed that prayer, you're a new creation. That the old is gone and the new has come. And we would love to help you take the next step in your faith journey. So if you prayed that prayer, whether you raise your hand or not, and you meant it in your heart, We'd love to help you take the next step. The simplest thing for you to do would be to fill out the card that's in the seat back in front of you and take it to the info center here in just a minute when we're done. And if you'd prefer not to, if you'd rather, you can simply uh, text Summit PA to the number 94,000. Let us know about your decision that way. And you can select the prompt that says salvation after we respond to you. Let us know about your decision. And then in the next few days, uh, we're gonna get in contact with you and we're gonna help you begin to take the next step in your faith journey. But please take advantage of that. We wanna help you grow in your faith. Here's what's gonna happen right now. Pastor Kendall's gonna lead us in a final song. We're gonna sing this last song. Um, it's called Blessings. Because again, God blesses us to be a blessing. So we're gonna sing this last song together. And as we are singing this final song, some of our prayer team and some of our staff is gonna be available on either side of this platform. And if you need prayer for any reason at all, no matter what it may be, we would be honored and delighted to pray with you. So please stand to your feet all over the room. Let's worship together one more time before we go today, guys. I tell you guys all the time, I hope you know it. I love you more than you know. And I am so glad that I get to be your pastor. And you didn't know that you were gonna get to experience the great Melvini today in the service, but I'm glad you're here. Love you guys. I hope to see you for Christmas Eve. God bless you. If you enjoy this content, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also contact us at summitpodcast.church. Remember to share this episode with your friends and on social media. Summit Podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there. Thank you for listening to Summit Podcasts, and we will see you in the next episode.